Good morning, church. How are you this morning? It's been great to be here with you this morning and, and listening to your exciting news. So much happening in the life of your church. It's really wonderful to be able to share uh, in that little bit of excitement this morning. It's lots of great things uh, are happening for you and God is obviously um, being good to you and, and, your king, and your church is flourishing through these really difficult times. It's a privilege for me to be here with you this morning. I've driven a long way this morning to be with you. Um, all the way from the thriving metropolis of Launton. Um, uh, so Launton brings its uh, blessings and greetings to you this morning. <laughs> I'm not sure whether you saw on the news a couple of weeks ago uh, the, the news footage of them covering the first um, uh, flight to arrive from Victoria to Brisbane. If you're watching morning news, they replayed it during the, throughout the day, there was, there was this fight between reporters they were so eager to interview people who were getting off the plane, uh, as one reporter kind of put the microphone in front of the person's face and started to talk, another news service would stick their microphone and talk over the top of it. And they replayed this throughout the day because it was such a humorous kind of thing. They'd forgotten about the other people who were waiting for their loved ones to arrive. They, they, didn't, even, they didn't even feature in the footage. The people coming off the plane, yes, but those people who had been waiting for the arrival of the flight, they were neglected. These people had been waiting for months to be reunited with their loved ones. Children had been separated from their parents. Um, husbands and wives had been separated for months. And at last, they had arrived. At last, the waiting was over and they were back together and reunited. And we've all kind of experienced that sensation of waiting and then at last, they're here. The waiting's over. And it's that sense of waiting and relief that we kind of try and capture during the Advent season. The waiting, the anticipation, the excitement, the expectation, sometimes maybe in the agony of waiting, but also that tinge of excitement that the waiting is over. Um, waiting can be tough. Uh, I don't know that there's many people who like waiting. Uh, years ago, um, many of you will remember Expo 88. For those who don't remember, um, Expo 88 was uh, countries from around the world set up pavilions on the South Bank. And that's where South Bank came from. And you could go there, I think it ran for about six months, you could go there and kind of experience what it's like to be in different countries. First time I ever tasted American mustard. There you go. Our family was really privileged to have a season pass, which meant you could go as many times as you wanted. So there's a bit of a confession. There was one pavilion that we never visited. We must have gone to Expo 88 gazillion times, but we never went to the one pavilion. Can anyone guess which one it was? No, I went to Australia. It's patriotic, come on. It was New Zealand. No, no, nothing against New Zealanders. If you're from New Zealand this morning, please don't be offended. I'll tell you why we didn't go. Because the line was too long. Do you remember that? The line to get in the New Zealand pavilion was next level. And I just wasn't ready to wait. I just wasn't prepared to wait that long. If I wanted to go to New Zealand, I'd get on a plane, you know, um, or go down the local shop. I find waiting too long. Sorry about that. 
But there's different ways of waiting, isn't there? I mean, there's boring waiting, like waiting for a train. There's nothing exciting about waiting for a train, unless there's something good at home. I don't know. Scary waiting. I remember waiting outside the principal's office. You know, that's scary waiting because you kind of know what's coming. It's not good. <laughs> and then at Advent, Christmas time, there's excited waiting. You've got small children in your, in your household. We've got three grandchildren with us at the moment, and they're just constantly excited. You know, they are, they're excited about having toast and, and, and honey for breakfast. You know, kids are just excited, and Christmas is just out of this world. Today, we're going to meet two people who were excitedly waiting. Um, the two people that we want to meet are Anna and Simeon. But these two people were waiting, they were waiting expectantly, they were waiting for better. And at some level, everything can be better. We look around our lives and our world, everything could be better. But I wonder this morning, are there some things that just resonate with you? that you just constantly uh, pray were better, dream of being better. There's some little um, phrases that may help us think of these things. Maybe we find ourselves thinking or even saying, um, it shouldn't be like this. It's an expression of wanting better. If only. That's just not right. There are those things that we resonate with that need to be better, that should be better. Maybe they're global issues. Refugee situations, people still living in poverty. Families still losing children because there's just not enough clean water. Um, people living in war zones. Um, people suffering because they live in, with, in countries with corrupt um, governments and leadership. Maybe you, you dream of better for things that are local, things that you see around your neighbourhood. Maybe you dream of better education or better home lives or better support. We dream for better or for people who are trapped in their circumstances in our own neck of the woods. Maybe we dream for better for ourselves. Maybe we're dreaming of a better year. Maybe we're dreaming of better finances better health, better relationships. What's our version this morning, personally, of dreaming for better, waiting for better? We read about Simeon. Thank you for that reading in, in Luke chapter 2. An amazing guy who was eagerly waiting for the consolation. It says in that version, the rescue. But in the version that was read out, it had it right, the consolation. It's not a word that we use very often. Maybe the shorter version is more familiar. Um, have you ever been consoled? What happens when you're consoled? Well, the first thing that happens is you're upset. And then someone comes alongside you and encourages you and strengthens you and reminds you that it's going to get better. And Simeon had been waiting for a really long time for the consolation, the consoling of the Messiah. He was waiting for the Messiah, God's promised champion, rescuing king to come and console. Not just win the fight, not just win the battle, but come alongside 
support, encourage, and promise a better, a better future. This is kind of a revolutionary kind of understanding of the Messiah. We kind of take it for granted because we know Jesus a little bit better. And we know that that's certainly part of his character. But for these people, they were, they were waiting for a warrior, a warrior king. And to have the, the Messiah described as someone gentle that comes along and strengthens and encourages and, and reassures is somewhat different. So this morning, let's just pause for a minute. And I want to ask you personally the question, how do you need God's consoling this morning? How, in what area of your life do you need God to come alongside, to comfort you and strengthen you and to reassure you? Is there something reoccurring in your life at the moment? And you're thinking to yourself, if only someone could come alongside me. Well, that person is Jesus Christ. He comes alongside us. But then think beyond ourselves this morning, church, and think as the church, what about the people in, your, in our lives, the people that we mix with on a daily basis, our family, our workmates, the people across the road? As the people of God, not only how can we receive God's consolation, how can we offer it? What are the, what are the, the everyday circumstances that you can come alongside someone and, in, and encourage them and strengthen them and, and reassure them of a better day. Maybe there's someone that comes immediately, immediately to mind. Maybe you need to, to think about it and pray about it. And maybe someone will um, pop into your mind and God will draw you to them. To play that incredible role of the consoler. Then we read, we didn't read about Anna this morning, but we're going to read about Anna now. This is in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 36. Another story, same chapter. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher, and she was very old. It's not kind, is it, to put that detail in? But Her husband died when they were married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshipping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking to Mary and Joseph and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. So it wasn't just Simeon waiting expectantly and it wasn't just Anna waiting expectantly. There was a great mob of people waiting expectantly for the Messiah. And, and Anna reassures them. We need to appreciate as we read this passage that that Anna was amongst one of the most vulnerable people in society. She was a widow, no social services, and she was in the temple, praying and fasting and worshipping God. And again, she was waiting expectantly, along with other people, for God to rescue Jerusalem. This time, that word rescue means redemption. She was waiting for the, the Messiah to liberate them, to give, set them free from slavery. Anna probably had in mind the Roman rule, but we know that God's agenda was much bigger than Roman rule. The Messiah had come to set the prisoners free, the sinners free, to redeem them. A few years ago, a friend of mine showed me this. I'm not sure whether you could see it. Um, don't get excited, um, but this is a $10 trillion note, but it's worthless because it comes from Zimbabwe. 
And uh, a friend showed me this. And they were living in Australia, but there were parents. Their parents were living, still living in Zimbabwe. And they had a reason for staying in... They could have got out. They had a reason for staying in Zimbabwe because they were waiting for the freedom that would come after Robert Mugabe. And they had every opportunity to, to escape. They were quite well off, but they chose to stay and to wait for freedom. It's not just the fact of freedom, but the feeling of freedom. Do you remember the last day of school? Freedom. Remember the day you got your driver's license and you could drive without mum and dad? Freedom. It's not just the fact of freedom, but the feeling of freedom. How good is freedom? It feels... It feels like freedom. Anna had been waiting for the rescue, for the feeling of freedom. Again, let's press pause. Let's get a little personal this morning. From what do you need freedom? Is there something that is holding you captive? Now, we may have been walking with Jesus for a really long time but there may be an area of our life that is still under the slavery of sin. Maybe, maybe you, would, you long for freedom from the past. Although it's in the past, it just keeps coming up in the present. You know that feeling? Maybe you desire freedom from, from toxic thoughts, from habits, from addictions, from attitudes. How do you need setting free this morning? In what area? And again, as the people of God, as the church, not only how do we receive freedom, but how do we offer freedom? Who's enslaved in our lives? Who is in bondage in our lives? Who can't get out of the trap in our lives? How can we bring rescue? How can we help them be rescued and restored? The Messiah that, we, that they were waiting for was the liberator and the consoler. But I want to draw your attention to the passage that is in between these two stories. These two stories are like bookends. And in the middle, we read these verses. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant, this is Simeon, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory to the people of Israel. The first thing, um, how, how Simeon receives the, the comfort, the consolation, is to acknowledge God as sovereign. You know what, it's been really difficult to acknowledge God as sovereign during COVID. We see so many things that are so wrong, such tragedy, such devastation. And it's quite logical to think, well, is God in control? How can he be in control? But we recognize that God's picture of history and the world and what is going on is long it's a, it's a lot bigger and broader than our perspective. And 
The one, one thing that can bring us comfort right now is to acknowledge that God is sovereign. He is in control. He is always in control. He will always be in control. God is sovereign. And Simeon recognises that God is sovereign and he takes the baby in his arms and he praises God. And he makes a couple of statements in verse 30, um, in 32. And these are actually parallel statements and these are really, really important. He identifies the Messiah as sovereign and then he says, he is the light to reveal God to the nations. Now, this takes us right back to Genesis 12, right back to Abraham. I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing to the nations. It's a hyperlink. Same story, same message, same agenda. He is the light to reveal God to the nations. Jesus has come to reveal consolation and rescue to the nations, to the world, to everyone. Not a select group. To the nations, to the outsiders, to the enemies, to the most unlikely. A few years ago, we had a, a, a family from our church had a party for one of their children and invited a number of families from school and all sorts of places and were having a, par- a party in, in, the, in the park. And as we were packing up, we were walking to the, to the car and I overheard a conversation. And one of the mums said to the host of the party, I wish I was a church person so I could have friends like you. Now that's a really powerful insight because there are, there are lots of people beyond the church that think that, well, there are church people and there are non-church people. That's just the way it is. There are Apple people and there are PC people. That's just the way it is. There are church people who belong in church and non-church people who don't belong in church. That's just the law of the jungle. That's just the way it is. Well, the Messiah comes and he rubs out the line and he says, there's no insiders and outsiders. I've come to shed light to everyone, to the most unlikely, to the darkest places. That's Jesus' job. The second line says, he is the glory of your people Israel. Now, the, the meaning behind this was, he was to, the glory is the brilliant reality of God. So Jesus has come to re-declare, re-reveal the glory of God in the most graphic, tangible, touchable, relatable way in flesh. And he's come and he says, um, I'm the glory, I'm the brilliant reality of God. And the knock-on effect of this was the people of God um, were, were reincorporated, um, recaptured by, the, by, their, by their calling as the people of God. This was a massive encouragement that God is real. God is touchable. He's here. I'm rescued and I can now be part of what God is doing. Brings glory to them. And this is, this is the distinction that I want us to be really clear about this morning. And, and if you've nodded off in the rest of it, that's totally fine. This is, this is the bit that you probably really want to focus on. Um, see, there's a, a massive difference between how Simeon and Anna waited and how we wait. Massive difference. See, Simeon and Anna were waiting for the, revival of, uh, the, the arrival of the Messiah. But we today 
post-Jesus, we're waiting in or with the reality of the Messiah. Not for, but with. We are now, as the Church of Christ, um, in the big sense of the term, we are part and participants in that kingdom. We're not waiting for an arrival for the first time. It's arrived and now we live in the reality of that first arrival. We're waiting for the second arrival where things will be put, put right and perfect and it'll be full and, the, and flourishing. But we're in that in-between. We're not waiting for, we're waiting in. We're waiting with. We're alongside Jesus. Church, this morning, I want to remind you that because of Jesus, we participate. We're not sitting there waiting, longing. We're waiting actively. We're waiting as participants. That's how we wait. We think of Anna and Simeon. They weren't just sitting there twiddling their thumbs for Jesus to turn up. They were actively waiting. And church, we actively wait by being part of what God is doing, by accepting the call to be the people of God, to not to limit our, 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 our energy in, in, in this church community, but to take the energy and the vitality that exists in this church community and take it to our everydays, take it to our neighbours. When God calls us to participate, we go, yes, we can, because Jesus has already come. Actively waiting. Not passively waiting. Actively waiting for God's emerging better and being a part of that. That's what God desires things to be better his kingdom is coming and we can be a part of that he wants it to be better and he calls us to be a part of that let's pray together heavenly father we just thank you for these stories and for the way that your holy spirit uh, brings them to life this morning through your spirit we can actually kind of see Anna and Simeon. We can kind of sense the temple. That occasion where, where the baby is recognised as the Messiah after all these years of waiting. Waiting for the Messiah. But Lord Jesus, teach our hearts, show our hearts this morning, Lord Jesus, that we're not waiting for the Messiah, we're waiting with the Messiah. We have the opportunity as your church to be with you as your kingdom comes, to make your, your love and your grace and your truth tangible and touchable and real in our everydays. So Lord Jesus, just in this moment, as we think about our everyday lives, the people and the places that we occupy, Lord, I, I pray that you would just clarify, maybe in one very simple way, how we can be participating with you as your kingdom emerges. Is there a conversation that we can have? Is there support that we can give? It, what is it, Lord Jesus, that you're calling? One simple way that we can participate with you this week. One simple way. What person and in what place are you calling us to? And Lord, I pray that you would encourage us this morning that we're we don't have to wait passively. We don't have to put up with this. We can be a part of what you're bringing. We can be a part of the transformation that you are 
constantly bringing to our world, we can be co-laborers and participants in your kingdom. And that excites us, Lord Jesus. It gets us up in the morning, Lord Jesus. It motivates us. It keeps us going because we are yours. Call us to your purpose, Lord Jesus. Reveal to us your glory this morning, Lord Jesus. And we pray these things in your wonderful name. Amen.